The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to Habs and Minded. We just had the breaking news that uh, Logan Malone... Malou is, is out for the season, OHL has um, suspended him until the 1st of January 2022. Uh, we'll at least. That. Yeah, at least. We will discuss that further down the line in when we reach Mellow in the top 25, under 25. But uh, for now, that's what we know. That's what we can go with. Uh, today, we are going to speak about Gianni Fairbrother on number 22. Um, a couple of different views here from, from everyone. Uh, Eyes of the Price, the whole community had him at 19. Uh, top was uh, me. Exactly. Who was the high? I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and bottom was Anton. No, actually, bottom yeah. was Nathan. So, yeah. so there is a big discrepancy here. Um, I like what I've seen from Fairbrother. I think he has the the possibilities. I also think he is a long shot, uh, or not. It, it, he will need time to get there. He's rough around the edges. He he needs to develop a lot further. But I think he has some really interesting potential that is untapped. And the question is, you know, with with whatever is going on in Montreal at the t- at right now, um, with Malo and, and and obviously with Kotkaniemi. How, they can sort of soon start to afford giving these kids some time because it doesn't seem likely that the next uh, year will be a, a, another run for the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, Fairbrother, I'm guessing that he will take some one of the spots made available by, well, one of the three guys who have left the organization uh, for free in the last year. Uh, Juleson, Mete, and and Fleury, like he's not as physical as Kale Fleury. Kale Fleury is a more bombastic, defensive, stay-at-home defenseman because he's so physical in his game. But Fairbrother, I mean, he does a lot of things fairly well. Um, he doesn't, as Jared wrote in his profile. Um, I will have to say yesterday because it will come out, and this spot will come out tomorrow, of course. Uh, on Friday. Uh, no, but what, what he wrote yesterday was just that basically Fairbrother is that kind of stay-at-home defenseman who has no real standout skill, but also has no clear weaknesses. And I was just thinking about like a guy like William Trudeau, who was drafted uh, this last year. I think that he's a guy who may want to look at Fairbrother to model his game. Uh, we only got to see Fairbrother in Laval for three games this uh, last season. But I'm expecting him to get more playing time under Jean-François Houle for, for this upcoming season. And, and it will be fun to see who he gets playing time with. If he gets playing time with a guy like Josh Brook, for example, who is more offensively skilled, if they can complete each other in a good way, well, 
maybe we can have something there for the NHL team down the line as well. Who knows? And the good thing is they don't have to rush Fairbrother in. Uh, they have defensemen. They have a lot of stay-at-home defensemen as well. And Fairbrother is signed until 2024. So now we have three years of just developing him and, and see where it goes. I, I can really see Fairbrother as a bottom six you know, defender, one that is maybe between the AHL and, and the NHL. Um, yep. being able to move around. We, we have had quite a few of them coming into uh, Montreal over the years. And, and uh, in the right, under the right circumstances and with the right pairing, he will be a solid defender. And that's mm -hmm. why I, would re I, I don't really want him to go. He's a jack of all trades. He's king of none, really. But, but on the other hand, the jack of all trades are, are, are pretty good to have around to toss in when, when injury becomes apparent and, and when it hurts players. I really like the fact that, that the praise that he got from Joel Bouchard, and, and I hope he can build from that. We know that Joel Bouchard usually praises everyone that has, that has played with him unless they're shipped out, because that happens. Um, Fairbrother, he stayed along. He, he worked hard uh, for his, his position in those three games. But yeah, I, I, I see him as an NHLer down the line, which is why I ranked him that high, I think. Yes, and the, and the question is just if he's going to be an NHL in Montreal, because I absolutely think as well that he will reach the NHL one day. Um, if it's just as a fringe player, then so be it. But he has the skating for it. He has enough size and he has enough quality, um, at least, you know, to he, he, he's not offensively skilled naturally. He's not that kind of guy. Um but, you know, he can still add some value to special teams as well, especially uh, the power, uh, penalty kill, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of, like, if he needs to play on the left side, there are quite a few prospects already on the left side and who are more um, flamboyant, who have a higher status, I think, in Montreal. And, and um, some of them have yet to be signed. So uh, we'll just see, like, I, I don't know how versatile he is to play on both sides, but uh, it's always better to have a lot of defensive prospects. We've seen now that Montreal has added a defenseman in each of the last three summers with, um, um, yeah, first it was uh, Ben Chirot, and then it was uh, Joel Edmondson, and now it was David Savard. And if you can just get those guys from your own development system instead, and you don't have to add them through free agency, that's obviously preferable. I always say that you need to get one, possibly two players every season out of your own development system. If that development system, in, in the case of Matthias Norlander, is in Europe, or, or, or if it's through the AHL ranks, I think you need to use that. And, and we saw how impactful someone that hasn't really been mentioned on the pod yet or in the rankings yet, and that was Cole Caulfield. He came from within a development system, arguably not developed as much by Montreal Canadiens. But you need these guys to come into the team and, and, and prosper. And I, and I think Fairbrother will be able to do that. And if you can take that entry-level contract and, and get him to play for, for low value, being secure, you, you've, you've built up a foundation where you can pay others maybe even 6.1 million for, for a center. Um, and, and that is, is something that I think 
adds to his value. He will never be the guy that makes the, the top dollar, but he will be a guy that you can have someone else make top dollar with. Yeah, and I think as well, just the fact that even if he didn't play a lot with Laval, he only played three games before going back to uh, to the WHL when it started up again. I mean, he was still there for a stint, and now he knows more about the AHL and, and the pro league system when he comes back. And that, I think, is something invaluable for a young guy to just get the... Well, the short stint there to just see how it works, see where all the other players who he's competing against, who how they are, uh, how they are training, which level they are at physically, get some tips from the uh, veterans, and then when he comes in now, he's already familiar with both Laval and and uh, the way the Rocket wants to play. Obviously, they have a no, new coaching staff, but shouldn't be too different since Ul and um, and Bouchard knows know each other from from before and uh, seem to want to play a similar style of hockey. So, yeah, it's um, it was a strange last season for uh, for a lot of prospects, but I think guys like Jan Mishak and um, and Jani Fairbrother um, will benefit in the long run from having to st- take the step up to uh, to the AHL instead of just playing in the Canadian Hockey League for uh, for another season. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Gianni Fairbrother passes Josh Brook. Uh, well, Josh Brook goes out this year, doesn't he? No, Josh Brook is only 22. All right, yeah, I think I think Fairbrother will pass Josh Brook uh, for next year's top 25 under 25. Do you want to bet? Do you want to bet? Yeah, I'll bet you a dinner because I already owe you oh, one. Cool. <laughs> okay, double or nothing. Yeah. Or, or or double either way. Yeah, that sounds good for me. Yeah, I'm, but I mean, like, otherwise you have to buy me dinner and I have to buy Yeah, that's, fi- that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> but I still believe in Josh Brook. I believe in his offensive qualities and I think that he gets, um, you know, he, he hasn't developed maybe as quickly as people were hoping, but um, yeah, he's only a year older than Fairbrother as well. So I think yeah, there's still untapped potential in Josh Brook. We'll come to him later on the list. Yeah, we know that. But um, yeah, and I'll say my comments in, in reply to that. But I have that. Um, I think, uh, and let's see who who the crowd of Ice on the Price uh, think better of next year. Mm. Exactly. Fairbrother or Brooke? Which I, team I, are I, you on? I, I was more on Anton or me. But oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> obviously they will be on your side. You've been there for so much longer. Yeah, but you speak French. Oh, true, <laughs> true. Either way, we're going to leave it and we're going to go on to number 21, Michael McNiven. And this is also someone that has a wide range of rankings. He Top does. as 13 and as low as 33. Who would be that low on Michael McNiven? I can't imagine who. Uh, yeah, well, I, I was talking about this with Jared when we did the preview as well, that Michael McNiven, I've never really understood the hype. Uh, I don't, I wasn't around, I wasn't working for a half size on the prize when he was heralded as the next big thing in Canadian goalies. I wasn't around as well when Charlie Lindgren was heralded as the next big thing among Canadian goalies. Um, So last year I had Michael McNiven at number 32 on a 43 uh, men list. Now I had him at 33 on a 42 men list. Uh, The reason is just because I feel like he's kind of 
I know that goalies can still develop long into their 20s. Uh, but on the list, if we're thinking about who you would rather lose, and we have a 24-year-old goalie who won't be el- eligible for next season's list. So this is his last time. Um, who plays sparingly in the AHL and doesn't exactly... I mean, he he is a good goaltender, but he doesn't exactly win games for his team in the way that I would maybe want to see. Like, he has competed with Caden Primo, for example, and Caden Primo is two years younger than him, and Caden Primo has outperformed him. Um, obviously, you can say that, well, Primo is obviously a bigger talent. Yeah, sure, but then I would rather keep Primo, obviously, and I don't really care about whether Michael McNiven or someone else takes the spot as backup goaltender of Laval. I don't see the potential anymore to be a backup goaltender for uh, for an NHL team for McNiven, but seems like a great guy. I wish him all the best, and of course, he has a future in uh, one of the American leagues. If it's not the AHL, uh, he would for sure be a good starting goaltender in the ECHL. I I don't know what, why people keep ranking him this high, though. Yeah, um, you're about to sway me. I had him 14th. Obviously, Scott had him 13th. So so I'm not at the extreme end of the rankings. But on the other, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm starting to think: should I have changed my ranking or not? But but yeah, I also see like even with the goalie market being always overflowing of talent i think i still want to to get something from him i think that's how the way i ranked him i don't want to lose him for nothing i think that is what it came down to so a seventh round pick yeah well well for a seventh round pick you could get another caden primo so why not or a henrik lundquist yeah no like if i look at michael mcnave obviously you can't rank a goalie only by looking at their save percentage because it's all it all comes down to like the defensive system in front of him and what kind of high percentage chances they get and yada yada you know but like he has been with the montreal organization now for one two three four years and like the last time he has been over like 900 and save percentage with the Laval Rocket uh, briefly, well, barely, basically, in 2018-2019. So that was, you know, good. 0.902, that's fine, you know. Um, and then he had 0.919 in 2019-2020, but that was three games. And he played quite well with the Jacksonville Iceman and with the Adirondack Thunder in the ECHL. This season, he had a 0.895 save percentage. I just... Like, I was asking the guys um, in our Slack channel about this, like the other um, the other writers, like, do you still see him as a potential NHL backup? And they still see it. They, they think that he gets put in, uh, in unfortunate situations with Laval. Um, I understand that, but at some time, like, you just need to see that there are so many other goalies that are even younger and have... Pr- proved more like after four years in the organization he has yet to play a game with the canadians so maybe that says something you're completely right and and, uh, we have to take that into account as well um i'm starting to wonder if it's a group thing here where scott and 
uh, not that we actually spoke about anything, but I but we speak of people during the season, obviously, as do yeah. you guys that listen to this well, with your friends. Jared had him at 15 as well. So yeah. like and Jared and Scott are those who follow Laval most closely. Yeah. So so I'm wondering if if I have listened in on their conversations or, or jumped in and, and also I'm trying to understand how goalie develops because I need to cover uh, Dishow. So I think maybe that is part of, 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 of maybe trying to, to figure out stuff and, and getting into that group. So it becomes a little bit more of a group think than, than uh, maybe a, a free think. But on the other hand, I, if I look at my ranking uh, at 14, it would more or less be like, yeah, it changed the spot up and down. It wouldn't be much. No, so, so, and that's fine. So it's fine, yeah, definitely. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, yeah, I think it also becomes that thing where, where you consider these are players you, you rank quite a few times and, and you start to think about them and either they, you, you see the same things over and over again that you like and you don't notice the bad stuff or, or the other way around. I mean, let's take Econen for last year. Um, I, I love the kid, but on the other hand, a lot of, of, of the voters saw Ikon and the way he played in the World Juniors mm. and, and didn't consider all the impacts of, of these um, injuries until that time. And uh, unfortunately, I think Ikon will have a, I think Ikon will have a good year in Liga and, and I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking for everyone that we all wish him the best. Mm -hmm. I, I stand by what I said with the Jacob Olofsson pod. I think Ikon will have a better hockey career than Jacob Olofsson over time. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to Michael McNiven, I, th I think it's kind of the same. I, I think that a lot of people in the Montreal community are rooting for him as a person and as a player, because the way the Canadians treated him when they didn't have an ECHL affiliate and they just sent him around basically because they couldn't find a, a place for him and he had to move around. That, that story was just, it's just awful management by the Canadians. Um, when he was just bumped around and the kid, you know, he has a home here in the area, but they didn't have a spot for him on Laval. So it was just like, oh, we'll send you to Adirondack, then we'll send you to Jacksonville, then we'll send you to Norfolk. And these teams already had goalies. So obviously he, he couldn't get the playing time that he maybe deserved in the ECHL either because they had started the season with other guys. Um, and then he came back, and for the few games that he got in in that season, he played really well. Um, and I think that a lot of people on the staff as well remember him from his OHL days as well. Uh, even if he's not drafted, you kind of like you look through that when the Canadians sign a prospect from the OHL, and you kind of like start to get excited. And you you saw him play quite a lot as well in his first season. So I, I think there is like. If you look at his 2017-18 season and then he improved to the next season, then you kind of saw a guy who was 21, 22 years old and was, you know, on the brink of maybe breaking through to the NHL. I think he was not far off then. Um, I think he's further off now, though. And that also has something to do with the fact that Caden Primo came into the system in 2019. 
because all, all of a sudden Allen you had another guy. Yeah, 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 of course, that as well. But now you had another guy that you believed even more in, and he was younger, and he got them like more playing time. And then it's kind of difficult keeping two goalie talents happy and, and just developing at the same rate. Uh, when you don't have a spot for one of them or you don't want to rush one of them and put them on the bench in the NHL team. You want them both to get playing time, but Primo has obviously been, been the golden boy for the uh, last two years and uh, and McNibben has suffered because of it. Indeed, and uh, you have to wonder um, sometimes how many affiliates can you have? And obviously now with Favre, it, it's going to be different, but uh, there is... You, the more clubs you have under your umbrella, obviously, the more um, you're going to be able to put different players in, in positions to succeed and then develop. And, and, and this will be one thing to, to look for going forward. Yeah. Uh, maybe even be uh, keeping a connection with some of the clubs in Europe and, and being able to talk to them and, and say, you know, how, can, how can, can, can we help you in any way with some of our prospects and loan them back out? Uh, I think that would be a good thing to do for for some clubs in general. And yeah, we 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 obviously not going to talk KK here, but um, you also have to wonder. Maybe it was a tire fire in Pori at the time, so we shouldn't really be saying that he should have stayed in Essex. But maybe you know, don't rush him into the NHL. Keep him in the AHL. Make sure to to get different things right and and learn from your mistakes. And um, McNiven would be good. Uh, uh, but the question is where. Yeah, and and when it comes to KK, the problem was just that he was too good in his first training camp, so you really couldn't keep him off the team. Like, no one was expecting him to make the team in his first year, and then he was just, like, outperforming a lot of established centermen. So what were you supposed to do? The the problem was just, like, he had a natural sophomore slump, and then he, like, he has kind of worked... Yeah, in injuries, he has kind of tried to work himself back from that. Um, And, like... You know, when it comes to like uh, development in general, I think it will be great to have an ECHL team. I think that is one of the most important decisions that Montreal uh, management has done in a lot of years. Uh, Because now when you have guys who are too good for the Q, for example, um, too good for the OHL, and you can sign them undrafted, or you draft them, you know, as except Biel Simono, for example, you draft them in the sixth round in their third year of eligibility. But maybe they are not quite ready to take a full roster spot in the AHL. Well, then you have an affiliate where they can play and flourish, and the ECHL should be all about that, you know, finding your way into professional hockey so that when you are ready, when you're up to speed in the AHL, then the step becomes much smaller. Indeed. We're going to cut it here, and we're going to make sure that you're on track for for the next couple of top 21, top 25, under 25. Um, also, Let's remember, and, and it's a little bit of a surprise to, to everyone, but uh, be ready for the weekend because it's going to continue uh, every day. It's an everyday feature right now. And uh, obviously with training camp coming up and, and uh, what's going to happen on, on Saturday evening, one way or another, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. Be sure to follow us on on eyes on the price in general because there will be news in regards to whatever happens on, on Saturday night as well and we're going to have instant reactions etc etc uh, thank you guys for listening continue to to 
comment. I went through some of the, the comment sections on different players. And I have to say, I'm really, really impressed with how you guys communicate and the respect between you most of the time or, or all of the time so far. But um, I, think, I think this is what drives the Eyes on the Prize community uh, and, and the website in general. The community really brings a lot to the discussion. And uh, again, we're looking for guests. Please send out a name or two if, if there is something that you think you can uh, contribute um, a name for that, that we haven't thought about because uh, there will be guests coming up quite soon even. Thank you guys.